Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Sky back with you, and we are bringing in, once again, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Bobby, how you doing today, brother? Good, Sky. Ready to get started, man. Right on, man. Episode 271. It is Wednesday. We are breaking down the early slate of games. Tomorrow, of course, we'll bring back Dweez Nuts, and we'll uh, do the afternoon games and the evening games with Dwayne, including tomorrow night's game with Denver Broncos and the New York Jets, both 0-3. Yikes. It's going to be a barn burner. Uh, hopefully I uh, can find time in my schedule to fit that game in, but uh, I may be too busy. And then, of course, on Friday, we're going to be bringing back Chris Benavides of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast to break down the TCK Pod Listener League recap from week three and preview of week four. Bobby, we've been doing this a couple of weeks, man. Let's, let's cut, through the, th- cut through the fluff and, and dive right into it. Before we get into the games, we do have 10 to cover, so we've got a lot of information. I know that you're, you also double with some DFS stuff, right? You're paying daily fantasy as well, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, you know, daily pick'ems, whatever it is. Um, I know it's been kind of a rat race for you real quick. Maybe just two minutes on how daily's been going, what you've been learning, and how you pertain that to uh, – weekly redraft and dynasty leagues as well yeah so that's that's great so I think one of the things that you know last week I was kind of evaluating some of my picks and what I started realizing is you know we have something that a lot of people have access to and it's, it's Vegas lines it's DraftKings it's it's FanDuel those those sports books now we have access to these spreads and these people are the best at knowing this stuff and what what I'm trying to say is especially in daily fantasy you know, you should be looking at these lines, you know, just download the app. Even if you're not in a state where you can bet, you can actually just look. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is I'm starting to realize that game flow and these kind of things matter a lot. So a great example was last week. I love T.Y. Hilton and T.Y. Hilton had a very slow game. But when you look at the actual data, he had 54 yards on 15 routes. So his yards per route run was one of the top 10 in the NFL last week. He had a fantastic game, but he only ran 15 routes. Well, why did that happen? They were huge home favorites against the Jets. So when I did, when I, now I'm starting to think to myself, we have to start evaluating this stuff to understand, is there going to be game flow dependency on the, on the receivers and the tight ends and the quarterbacks? Because garbage time is a thing in the NFL. We know this. Like in the fourth quarter, if your team's down three scores, you can get a lot of production. We saw it two weeks ago with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson against Tampa Bay. It's just a great example. So, you know, that being said, when I'm actually looking at this stuff, I think that's one of my biggest takeaways is take a look at the lines. If you see a team that's minus 13 against another team, like a great example is like the Redskins. Terry McLaurin might have a tougher matchup, but you're not going to sit him because you know there's going to be – 
a lot of volume late in that game for them, and they're going to be playing catch-up. So he can easily have another 40, 50 yards in the fourth quarter. So that's just something I've kind of picked up over the first couple of weeks that I think is a great way to gain an advantage in daily, but also season long as well. Right. I like it, man. Quick correction, of course, and obviously you're just in the flow and it's the first year, but Washington football team. Oh, sorry. I keep doing that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no worries, bro. It was about, it was about three years uh, before I could get away from San Diego Chargers. So uh, not, a, not a big deal. I hear you, man. Um, I, I usually run one DFS lineup a weekend just to, just to do it. Um, and it's, uh, it is interesting how you see that because really you're looking for like that one play, but you're also doing that in redraft. But it is more difficult because you're working with the budget. It's like a weekly fab thing. It is definitely different. Um, and most of the time, your studs do not become the number one guy, right? It just happens constantly. So in order to win at DFS, you really have to get those studs that are going to go off, you know, down the list a little bit and pick yeah. up a Justin Jefferson or something for 500, you know, bucks or something like that just to go off on your roster or whatever so which is tough because when you're thinking about an overall game and game script and overall roster with all those options that's not the name you want to pick but it always ends up being those kind of flyer guys to go along with the stutter too so I like that and good uh good advice and talking about the DFS really quick we don't do a lot of DFS specific conversation on here um, but we do get questions about it through the DMs and stuff so I like to bring it in when we can all right, man, let's dive into this here. We get, do have 10 games in the early slate. Again, let's start off with the Cardinals and Panthers. This game is in Carolina. Cardinals are 2-1. and one. The Panthers, 1-2. and two. Panthers looking a little bit better. Uh, DJ Moore, ninth in receiving yards in the league, but he has not scored, so still frustrating there. Um, and, on the, of course, Christian McCaffrey's still out. Mike Davis had eight receptions once again with kind of the number one waiver, uh, waiver wire pickup this week. And then on the other side, Cardinals, uh, business as usual. We got to get Kenyon Drake rolling. Um, but uh, but New Hopkins is absolutely phenomenal. And Kyler Murray has a rushing touchdown to go along with passing touchdowns in each of the first three weeks. Um, but he generally has multiple interceptions. He's keeping that floor high because of the rushing. But uh, Kyler Murray could definitely um, increase his production overall. So let's break down quickly the Cardinals at the Panthers. Yeah, so I think the big thing with the Cardinals is understanding that Christian Kirk could be out again. That was opening up a lot of opportunities. We saw Andy Isabella actually play pretty well. The Panthers' secondary is, is not something to fear at all, and you can beat them on the inside in the slot. So if Christian Kirk is out, Andy Isabella got some run last week. He scored, and I think he's definitely someone that could be like one of those deeper wide receiver three matchups. Obviously, like we've talked about, Kenyon Drake is a little – concerning about his production but listen Carolina is one of the worst run defenses in football you need to start Kenyon Drake I think this is the buy low window I think it's finally going to close I think this is the week if you have the uh, capability of going to get Kenyon Drake go do it right now um, so really obviously starting D hop I think Larry Fitzgerald is only a PPR you know deeper league 14 team guy because he's not a big threat in the red zone anymore but he's getting you a handful of catches in about 50 yards so I think if you're in a PPR league and you're desperate you could definitely throw him in there as well because he is the primary slot guy and like we just touched on you can beat Carolina in the slot now on the other side you know, the Panthers to me is interesting because it finally came to fruition. I was talking about this last week about how, you know, game flow against Tampa Bay really helped them. They did not look good half quarters against Tampa Bay. They finally came all the way back and they got all this volume. So DJ Moore looked great, Robbie Anderson. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for them against the Chargers because the Chargers offense 
wasn't really that good against the Carolina defense. So I think from that perspective, you might get good game flow in this one. So even though DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson have very tough matchups, the Cardinals are one of the best defenses against the wide receiver. I think you're still going to get that, you know, volume in the late in the game. Kyler Murray is able to put up points. So I think you're starting those guys. Obviously, I like Mike Davis. I think Mike Davis, to me, continues to be a start because he's getting a lot of catches. We're seeing this constant check down. And if the game flow gets out of hand a little bit for the Carolina Panthers, they're going to check down a lot. Teddy Bridgewater loves throwing to his running backs. So I think Mike Davis is once again on your RB2 uh, map, especially in PPR leagues. And I think really from outside of that, though, you're not going to really worry about the tight end position. Curtis Samuel goes off the fantasy radar. So the one injury I think is notable is Dante Jackson is out. So we don't need to talk about D-Hop, but like you said, I think you, you get him in your DFS lineup. Mike Davis has had eight receptions in back-to-back games. Obviously, you like that floor uh, in PPR leagues. Let's move on to the Colts and the Bears. Bears, 3-0 and here. We got the Foles experiment. Uh, obviously, it went well with the comeback victory over the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Matt Nagy's come out nice and early for us and the team. Let us know that Nick Foles will be the quarterback for the foreseeable future unless he has an injury. Uh, so, the Mitch, uh, the Mitch situation in Chicago is um, – about 12 weeks from uh, from over. And then we have the Colts, 2-1. and one. Again, you just kind of mentioned it. Like, they just don't have to run too many plays last week against the Jets. They had two return touchdowns for the DFS. Jonathan Taylor had a nice game. Phillip Rivers was just fine, just didn't have to be very productive. We do have Michael Pittman now out. We also have Paris Campbell out. Jack Doyle ran all the routes, but he had no targets. Mo Cox only ran a few routes, but he got the work. Very confusing kind of in the passing game there. I've been anti-T.Y. Hilton all summer, all season. I've been over that, and, and here we are seeing it again. Uh, so how do we feel about the Colts and the Bears? Yeah, so the good thing is with – let's talk about the injuries first for the Colts, like Malik Hooker being out is going to be good news for a guy like Jimmy Graham who had a big week last week. Um, I did talk about that. He is He's another opportunity for him, even though the Colts' defense has been pretty solid against tight ends. But I think Jimmy Graham, like I said, he's the number two on this offense behind Allen Robinson and routes and now targets, and he had finally had that big week. So it can continue. And like I touched on in the beginning of the podcast, this is actually a close spread. So it's only two and a half points favored to the Colts. So I think from that perspective, I think T.Y. Hilton finally breaks out. I, I do believe that last week was an example of that he is playing at an elite level. He only ran 15 routes. This game will be a lot more competitive, meaning they'll throw a lot more. We just saw Calvin Ridley have a nice game on the outside versus this Bears secondary. So I'm feeling that T.Y. Hill could finally come through. And then after that, like you said, Michael Pittman's out. So that is a little concerning. Uh, because of the fact that where are you going to go from there? I honestly think Mo Ali Cox is interesting, but like you said, Jack Doyle got the routes. Mo Ali Cox got the targets. So that's just not a game I'm willing to play just yet. But I think from a fantasy perspective, you can throw Mo Ali Cox on your bench to see if he does it again. But I am not starting Mo Ali Cox. On the Bears side, Tariq Cohen getting hurt is huge. I think this finally solidifies David Montgomery as a true workhorse. He's going to become the main passing down back. He's a true three down back. And after a kind of a slower game last week, you could probably go get him. Um, and plus the Colts, this, this matchup for him is not that great. The Colts run defense has been okay. So I really do think that, you know, he might even have another slower week in this matchup and then you can go get him if you want. But I think you're buying the, because of the three cone injury, you're definitely buying him. And of course, Allen Robinson. So, you know, the Indianapolis Colts have been very good against wide receivers, but Allen Robinson continues to get the volume. And with Nick Foles now challenging defenses downfield and, you know, making crazy throws, I think you continue rolling with Allen Robinson. 
Um, the Anthony Miller situation, like I said, there was no change in his routes. So he's still not running more routes than Darnell Mooney and Jimmy Graham. And it just worked out last week where they got all that volume when they were playing from behind. This is a closer game. I think when you play a guy like Anthony Miller, you're banking on bad game flow. I'm not banking on that in this game, so I'm fading him completely. I think that's a great call, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears actually use primarily David Montgomery or if they get Patterson and Noel involved as well. And uh, Nick Foles did look really, really great. I mean, he had three touchdowns. Uh, he, he actually had two other ones that, that uh, was an overthrow, and he had another one stripped away from Allen Robinson in the end zone. So potentially five touchdowns in just a half there. So uh, we'll see if, uh, if Nick Foles can keep it going. But it is uh, kind of a breath of fresh air for Allen Robinson owners who have been very excited about this year, but kind of holding out. So we saw that nice big game. All right, man, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals end up getting the first tie of the season with the Eagles last week. They're 0-2-1, and the Jaguars are 1-2 right now. Uh, Gardner Minshew, frankly, looked terrible on Thursday night last week. Joe Burrow looks great. They're just not getting the Ws. Um, T. Higgins emerges. John Ross, a healthy scratch. Mixon still getting the work, but not getting in the end zone. James Robinson on the Jacksonville side looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, there should be a lot of fantasy value in this game, although it might not be a great NFL game. This is one of those uh, kind of sneaky shootouts potentially with two bad defenses and capable offenses. My main concern, I guess, in this entire game is the health of uh, DJ Chark. Yeah, so that is that is the key. I mean, obviously, I think he has he had 10 days to heal on the short week last week. So I think he's probably going to be back and you're firing him up. So really, I, I think it's understanding when you're looking at the Jags. I love Robinson. He's been awesome. I mean, this kid has been fantastic. He's game. Last week was if you're if you watch that game against Miami, if you're a Robinson owner, you must be ecstatic that he was in the game when they trailed by multiple touchdowns and he's getting passing game work. That's like fantasy gold now. Like you, you have Chris Thompson, but they must trust this kid a lot. So I think James Robinson, you keep rolling with him in a plus matchup against the Cincinnati uh, run defense that is still going to be down Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels. Uh, they're two stud defensive tackles. Um, the Bengals in general, uh, when you look at their defense, they get beat by outside wide receivers. So if DJ Chark, is in there uh, and healthy, you're playing him because you saw Odell break loose for a long one against the Cincinnati defense. I believe that DJ Chark can do the same. So really it's DJ Chark and James Robinson on the Jaguar side. And as for the Bengals, you know, if you're looking at them and how you beat the Chargers, this is the biggest news. Uh, I'm sorry, how you beat the, uh, the, the Jaguars defenses. They are actually more susceptible on the inside versus the outside. So they get beat up more by slot receivers than they do on the outside. The young kid Henderson has looked very good. Uh, so I think this is another Tyler Boyd week. Tyler Boyd has been clearly running the most routes on the team. He's been getting the most consistent targets, but actually executing on those targets. And the thing that happened last week is that actually T. Higgins leapfrogged A.J. Green in routes last week, which is very notable. T. Higgins actually paced the team in routes, and he had nine targets. That is that is huge. This guy is a very talented player. And the thing is, it's ironic. Remember when Cincinnati drafted Andy, Andy Dalton, they also drafted A.J. Green. Now they have Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. It could be that marriage, these young rookies getting together. I think it's very important. I think T. Higgins might be someone you pick up on waivers. And finally, Joe Mixon. Like, oh, man, it is. I, listen, I wasn't big on Mixon. I'm not going to toot my horn. I, like I, I went on a rant last week about the offensive line. And this is not a matchup that the Jaguars run defense for what it's worth has actually not been terrible. I just don't think that you're going to rely on Joe Mixon 
as more than just a low-end RB2 flex. It's going to be tough to get away from him in season-long leagues, but honestly, he has not done it, and he's not getting it done in the red zone. There's a lot of Gio Bernard in the past game, so I'm a little worried about Joe Mixon. I think that you have to hold on to him, and if you have other ways to pivot, like Jane, I'd rather have Robinson in the same exact matchup than Joe Mixon. I think that's a good call, and, and uh, to, to get T. Higgins involved um, is, again, notable, as you mentioned, and I, I mentioned it last podcast and a few other ones, that uh, Joe Burrow was asked on draft night, you know, who would they want at the top of the second round, and he hand-selected T. Higgins of the receivers that were left. They had been working in the offseason and whatnot, and so now we have, you know, A.J. Green, who's been getting the work but struggling, and Tyler Boyd's been absolutely fantastic. But as that number two, number three, John Ross, again, uh, a scratch, healthy scratch. So um, I do think that T. Higgins should be picked up. And he's already owned in dynasty leagues, I'm sure. But in redraft, even, if you got a deeper bench, uh, you should get him in there before bye weeks pick up. Because that's something we need to talk about next week, bye weeks kick up. And uh, we're going to have a lot of different issues here with the bye weeks and COVID starting to come in to play. And, um you know, all these injuries and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts. You want to talk about Drew Sample? <laughs> True. I mean, he got 33 routes last week. Uh, that was only 10 less than T Higgins who led the team. He only got one target and the Jacksonville Jaguars are not that great against tight ends. But I think at this point, the tight end market is pretty fluid right now. I think there is a decent amount of people that you don't need Drew Sample. But like I said, if you're in a bind, Jacksonville has let up some points in the tight end position. Great. Deep sleeper. I like it. Drew Sample. All right, man, let's jump into the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys. The Browns are 2-1 and one for the first time uh, since 2016, and they're over 500, I should say, for the first time since 2016. And the Cowboys are 1-2. and two. Again, always surprising how somehow the Cowboys don't win 13 games every year, but sure enough, here we are yeah. once again. Uh, for the Browns, man, you know, they've looked good two weeks in a row. That running game is pretty dominant. Baker is – as long as Baker's not bad, they're going to be fine. Still worried about Odell and Landry for sure. On the other side, Cowboys offense is, is rolling just fine. Dak Prescott's out of his mind. Zeke, you're playing automatically. I think at this point you can start all three wide receivers, and I like Dalton Schultz a lot as well. So when you look at the Browns, it's been a product of game flow. The last two weeks, they have been up big in both of those games, and they've basically taken the ball completely out of the air. On the season, Baker is only is second to last on a dropbacks per game basis, other than Kirk Cousins is lower. So Baker's not throwing a lot. They haven't had to throw. This game, they're going to have to throw. The Cowboys are not going to be shut down. Of course, if the most notable injury for the Browns' defense is Denzel Ward got hurt last week. And if Denzel Ward is out, they're already down Greedy Williams. That means that Gallup, Lamb, those guys are going to eat in this matchup. So this is good news from a game flow perspective. I'm really buying into Baker this week as a potential borderline QB1 because he's going to have to throw against Dallas. And Dallas has actually seen a lot of dropbacks. We just saw a monster game with Russell Wilson. Of course, comparing Russell Wilson is ridiculous. But just remember, that's the type of game flow you're looking at this week. They're not going to be able to dominate on the ground necessarily with Chubb and Hunt. So I really like the, the passing attack. I love Odell in this game. The outside cornerbacks for the Cowboys, CJ uh, Chodobia Wuzier is out and hurt. Slot cornerback Anthony Brown is out. So two of the three top corners for the Cowboys is out. So you're looking at Baker. You're looking at Jarvis Landry. You're looking at Odell. Landry's been a product the last two weeks of just terrible game flow. They just don't run routes. 
And I think this week you're going to see that go up. I think that it raises everyone's floor. So I'm really feeling those guys. Austin Hooper is also interesting because of the fact that, like I said, you're going to see more passing volume in this game. And the Dallas Cowboys are just not great at covering the tight end position. So I do believe that the passing attack for the Browns is in play in this matchup. As for the running backs, you know, I hate Kareem Hunt. I don't know why, but like, man, he leads the NFL in fourth quarter carries. He leads the NFL in carries in the fourth quarter in two score games. It's just been a product of game flow with him. I'm just interested. And this game could be another one where they're down big. So, you know, right now the spread in this game is plus four and a half for the Browns. It's not too bad. So it could be competitive, but Chubb has been dominating early down work. He's been dominating early game work versus Kareem Hunt. And then it looks even at the end because Hunt's getting all that work in the fourth quarter. It's been almost, uh, it's almost been like 20 plus between Hunt and and Chubb in the fourth quarter when it comes to touches. So I think you got to keep rolling with Hunt. Unfortunately, I can't talk again until he proves me right. I can't say you sit him because he's doing well. So on the Cowboys side, I don't think we need to talk about it much. The great thing about uh, last week, it was Wilson. Like, it was so weird. The fourth wide receiver just ended up catching these, you know, he only had 20 routes compared to 56 for Michael Gallup. So it's not like Wilson was on the field, but he ended up getting these two long plays, 170 yards. He got in the end zone. And it looks like, you know, this guy's the new hit hotness. It's not. I think it's still going to be CeeDee Lamb. I think you're still rolling with Cooper. And I think you're still rolling with Gallup. And, of course, like we just talked on Schultz, you know, the Browns are – very bad at covering the tight ends. They have not improved at all this year. So I think Schultz is also in play, especially if this game does get a little bit higher scoring. And of course, Zeke is Zeke. Sir, great breakdown. Let's move on to the Saints and the Lions. Saints are one and two. Lions are one and two. This one in Detroit. Saints probably still without Michael Thomas. And the Lions finally get back their stud receiver, Galladay, last week that got a touchdown. Interesting backfield, of course. This is in Detroit, indoors. They should be able to kind of uh, run them. And let's be honest, man. I mean, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara is absolutely out of his mind. But if if Detroit can play any defense, I don't think they win the game necessarily, but I do think that they could potentially make this one more competitive than it seems on paper. And look, if if the Saints glitch up, man, um, and if they can somehow corral uh, Alvin Kamara, which seems impossible right now, uh, I think this could actually be a, a better game maybe than we, we're seeing on paper. But – I don't know that you start your usual studs in this game necessarily. I mean, who you know, Marshawn Lattimore is going to go with Galladay. You got to fire him up, but he's been a little bit banged up. Plus, Lattimore's the truth. And you got Marvin Jones. You got Hawkinson. And then on the other side, of course, Alvin Kamara. But do you start Drew Brees? Can you start any of these other uh, receivers or Jared Cook there for the Saints? Well, Jared Cook's banged up. He got hurt last week's game. Uh, he left early. So it'll be interesting to say if he's actually in the game and playing. So it's one of those situations. If Michael Thomas is out and Jared Cook's out, I'm not really excited to start Breeze. I think it's going to be a product of Alvin Kamara just dominating with Latavius Murray on the ground versus Detroit. And I think that Alvin Kamara is going to just gobble up catches, if, especially if Cook is out along with Michael Thomas. Um, you know, really, who beats Detroit? Uh, pretty much your primary weapon beats Detroit. So the interesting thing, though, is they don't have a slot corner. I mean, Detroit is banged up in the secondary. Maybe they get Desmond Trufant back this week, their offseason acquisition. Jeff Okuda, he he hasn't been great in coverage. Let's just say that. So it's been pretty bad for the Lions secondary. So I think Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith can also be in play because if Cook is out, that's just going to funnel more targets to those guys. And there is no notable corners that can probably shut them down. So I'm okay with those guys as wide receiver threes this week. And I think Traquan Smith, especially because he plays a lot in the slot, could take advantage of the fact that Justin Coleman is done for the year for Detroit. 
Now, for the Lions side, it's a game flow thing. I think if if Jared Cook's out and there is no Michael Thomas, is this game going to get out of hand enough that Galladay can overcome Marshawn Lattimore? Now, I'll tell you this. I do a lot of work on shadow coverage. Kenny Galladay is the best wide receiver I have ever charted in shadow coverage. I'm not joking. This guy dominates every week, every time, almost against any corner. The one time he got beat up was against uh, last week was the Cardinals game. But he, in 2018, he had a bad game against Peterson. That is it. And then last week he made up for it. So I think that Kenny Galladay is going to be in your lineups. I think Marvin Jones, to me, I think Janoris Jenkins can keep up with him on the other side. I think when you're literally looking at the value play here, it's going to be TJ Hawkinson. So New Orleans has struggled against tight ends and pretty badly, actually. They have a lot of couple touchdowns, some noble tight ends. So I think Hawkinson is a great play in this matchup, uh, especially, like you just said, with the boundary corners having solid matchups against those wide receivers. And then AP, I mean, listen, for, I don't understand – Detroit backfield like I don't get it he had 22 carries versus four for everybody else last week so I don't know what the strategy is going to be week in and week out and the Orleans isn't the type of run defense where you're just super excited to start AP in it but until proven otherwise AP is the back to own I think that maybe DeAndre Swift like I said though it's tough to rely on the game flow so if it was a bigger spread like seven plus I would say you might want to play Swift but since there's injuries to the New Orleans pass catchers I'm not even playing Swift either. I think it's a great call, man. It's definitely going to be interesting and and uh, frustrating. I mean, for me, I'm just not playing him. You know, if I'm in a non PPR league, potentially you can spot start him if you need to. But I do think that this run defense is is really solid for New Orleans, so I'm not interested in that. Now, look, it's Adrian Peterson, man. Yeah, he can he can. I mean, he's still got it. Clearly, we've seen a handful of nice 20 plus yard runs. Anytime they're in the red zone, he, you know, he's, he's an animal. He can score right. and he could, he could accidentally get you 15 fantasy points on your bench and be like, oh, shit, I should have started him. But when you start him, he's not going to. So I just <laughs> – I, I stay away with that. For me, it's going to be Kamara um, and uh, probably Drew Brees in a, shout, uh, a shootout. On the other side, uh, I feel good about Stafford at home and uh, Galladay and, and Marvin Jones. Uh, but I do think Hawkinson is kind of the sneak attack here. All right, the next two games are interesting. I do want to cover them quickly because if they happen, and I'll explain in a second if you're unfamiliar at this point, if they happen, I want to make sure we break them down so people get the knowledge. But there is significant uh, worry that uh, Minnesota at Houston and Pittsburgh at Tennessee, both of those games could potentially be postponed uh, due to COVID. So um, there were 17 players for the Tennessee Titans, I believe, that had uh, tested positive. Um, if my numbers are off on that and you know for sure, uh, please correct me, but I believe that was correct. Um, and if, you know, if that's the case, they had kind of you know, played each other last week, right? So uh, Minnesota's in that as well. So Minnesota and Houston. So now we have that game also at risk as well. So there are two games here that are at risk to not happen. So, and you know, by the time this episode's on Wednesday, we got a couple of days here uh, to actually make these moves, but I do want people, if they haven't heard it yet and they're waking up early and catching our podcast early, I want people to hear about this uh, right away and maybe make those changes. I mean, there's some significant fantasy players, obviously on these four teams here, namely all the running backs um, and uh, quarterbacks as well. So I want to make sure that people are aware. So let's kind of make it a more brief, just in case to, to, uh, shave some time here but there is a chance that both these games get shaved and if they do then they'll be postponed and caught up later let's start though with the minnesota vikings and houston texans both of these teams are 0-3 vikings i'm surprised about houston i am not surprised about again we've said it every week they have had the the most brutal schedule in the nfl kansas city baltimore uh 
and Pittsburgh. Now they get the Vikings, and that'll be an interesting shootout here. But assuming this game happens and everything is good to go, how do we feel about these teams? Can you fire up everybody? Both these defenses have been pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about uh, the pass game in the sense of dropbacks and, and game flow a little bit because Houston hasn't seen a lot of dropbacks on defense, and they actually have been playing pretty decent against wide receivers this season. And then, of course, Minnesota's has been the lowest dropback team in the NFL. So it's it's going to be interesting. If it, I wouldn't really necessarily see a shootout because Bill O'Brien, for what it's worth, he likes to run the football. And then if this game is actually close, unfortunately there is no spread right now. I wish there was, but I would assume it's, it would be close. I think that these guys are going to be able to run the football. It'll be interesting if Duke, Duke Johnson comes back this week from the Houston side. But Minnesota, I think Dalvin Cook is a complete smash. We don't even need to talk about him. I think the most notable name to really talk about him is Justin Jefferson. So I did just talk talk about how Houston is pretty good against boundary wide receivers and they have been a little bit vulnerable to the slot and Justin Jefferson just went off last week um, we did talk about him and that he's a wide receiver three I think you, it's not a trap I think he's going to be very good again as the Houston Texans corners are more susceptible on the inside than out uh, in this matchup and I think Adam Thielen you're still going to start him because he's like he's a great he just gets you those points I got you like 10 points last week was it a huge game no but he was one of those guys that, like I was talking about in the sense of understanding dropbacks and volume, and they just don't throw a lot. So I think Adam Thielen's still a start. On the opposite side of the football, you know, I think the one thing we did notice, Will Fuller's the number one. So Will Fuller, when he plays, he's the number one, and this week he gets an amazing matchup versus the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is one of the worst teams versus outside wide receivers. Will Fuller can have a monster game. The biggest risk with Will Fuller is, is he going to finish the game? I think this is unfortunately one of those situations where you have to put him in and hope for the best because he's pacing the team in targets. He's pacing the team in routes when he's in there. Um, I also think David Johnson can find some success on the ground this week. So I think David Johnson's a solid play. He's not getting the passing game work that you would like to see. I think David Johnson after week one has not produced much at all. He did get, he did get in the end zone last week, but from a yardage standpoint overall, like if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's kind of been a dud, but, I think really from this game, it's going to be Will Fuller for me. And then obviously on the other side, I think you can roll with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Um, I think you can definitely play Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson in this game as well. But I'm staying away from Kirk Cousins because that low pass volume. And I just don't think Houston's the game where he goes off for a big volume game. Good call. Let's move on to the other potential cancellation or postponement. That's Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Both teams are 3-0. and So in the first game, we had the Vikings and Texans at 0-3. Now we have the Steelers and the Titans both 3-0. and Yo, assuming this game does happen, this is going to be an excellent football game. Uh, this is going to, you know, potentially playoff atmosphere type game in Tennessee uh, just here in week four. Um, Big Ben looks great so far. Ryan Tannehill is at his advertised from last season. Derrick Henry finally got in the end zone twice last year – or last week, excuse me. Uh, James Conner remains effective when healthy. Um, yeah. Juju could pick it up a little bit more, but he's doing just fine. Deontay Johnson out with a concussion. We'll see if he covers it here. But going to be a great game in Tennessee if it happens. Yeah, I agree. And, and listen, I think the one thing I will say is, so from an uh, injury standpoint, Deontay Johnson's dealing with a concussion. And I, I do feel like this the, the spread for this game is only one point. So it's going to be a competitive football game. You're going to see both teams having an opportunity to, you know, have their attacks at their full strength. But I think if Deontay Johnson's out, that is big news for the Steelers pass catchers. I think, uh, obviously, Juju, you're rolling with. But I think Eric Ebron is a sleeper this week. I'm putting him in my DFS lineups. He actually ran a 
boatload of routes last week. Got seven targets, 52 yards on 31 routes. That was only three less than Juju. So as soon as Deontay Johnson went out, Eric Ebron got a lot more involved, started running a lot of routes. So I'm definitely feeling him this week because the Titans have been beat by tight ends. They also been beat by slot receivers as well. So Juju's great. Uh, from the ground game, I think James Conner's a must-start. I'm just – he looks awesome. And the Tennessee Titans' run defense has been, you know, susceptible. They are average. They're nothing special. So I think you're definitely wrong with James Conner. We don't need to go into that. And Big Ben, obviously playing on the road. It always feels like road Big Ben is always not great. But I think with the, with the line being so close, this will be competitive. I don't like starting quarterbacks necessarily when they're missing one of their top weapons. But I think Big Ben is going to be fine. On the other side, it's going to be interesting. If Taylor Dewan is out, that means that now we're you're talking about two tackles that weren't the starters last year for the Tennessee Titans. The Pittsburgh run defense is legit, so it's going to be kind of um, an interesting uh, tug of war between the Titans run offense versus the Pittsburgh dominant run defense. And if they can rattle and slow down Derrick Henry, kind of similar to what we saw with the Bron uh, Broncos game where he got 30 carries, but he got like three and a half, 3.6 yards per carry type of game from, from Derrick Henry. So you're starting him. Obviously, he's a volume king. Now, the starts really for the Titans, though, I do really like – A.J. Brown, if he plays. I think that we have seen the Pittsburgh Steelers get beat with speed on the outside. I think A.J. Brown, if he's back and healthy, he's a go. And if he's out, I would pivot to Corey Davis. Corey Davis is more of the mold receiver that probably those guys like Joe Hayden can keep up with. So I'm not as high on Corey Davis as I would be with A.J. Brown. But those two guys are probably – I think A.J. Brown's a must-start. I think Corey Davis, if A.J. Brown is out, is a wide receiver three. And I think John Smith, your boy – who's been doing great. I think this is going to be a tough matchup for him. Um, the Pittsburgh has been, you know, pretty good against tight ends overall. So I think John who might have a little bit of a slower game, but at the same time, he's been producing so well. So it's going to be tough to get away from, but this might be a matchup where you kind of fade him. And then Ryan Tannehill, you know, I, I want to see AJ Brown on the field. If AJ Brown's on the field, I'd feel more comfortable giving him the nod. But um, if he's not, I'm not going to start Ryan Tannehill without AJ Brown. This Pittsburgh defense is nasty, but Houston did put it on them last week. And Deshaun Watson is special. And they have much more aerial weapons in Houston than they do in Tennessee. But Houston was able to put up points and really uh, had a nice competitive game with the Steelers. To my surprise, actually, last week, Steelers got the best of them in the end. But, uh, you know, again, if, if A.J. Brown is out there, which I don't think he's going to be, man. I, I honestly think, unfortunately, this started as like, a, we'll sit him for a week. It's early in the season. Eh, maybe two weeks. Now it's like he could be out a month plus, and then we got bye weeks and stuff. Like I'm getting more more and more nervous about AJ Brown. You know, I'm not a doctor by any means, but just kind of a gut feeling of how this has gone down. And uh, it, you know, Corey Davis is not incredible, but he's been serviceable so far. Right. And John o. Smith, man, is a, a top tight end. Man, I love to see yeah, that. That's cool. awesome. All right, man. Couple games left here. I'm gonna take a quick commercial break. Uh, Bobby, please introduce yourself to the TCK Potters in case they are new to the program here. Yeah, guys, uh, Bobby Lamarco. I'm the Fantasy Football X Factor. You can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor on YouTube. The same. I have uh, also on Twitter at FFX Factor, and I also write for Rasball.com, Football.Rasball.com. I do my shadow coverage report where I go over the best cornerback and wide receiver matchups of the week, and then I also talk about my opportunity analysis on expand the box score where I go over volume projections and understanding if the teams do for an increase or decrease that can really impact your fantasy leagues. Please make sure to follow our boy fantasy football X factor everywhere you possibly can. 
Also, make sure to drop us a follow on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Jump in the DMs with your start sits all week. Any trade talks coming up, bye weeks are coming up. Feel free to jump in. I answer all those personally, and I will get to you eventually. And, of course, you can find our rankings and articles at tckpod.com. All right, brother, we've got a couple games left here. Let's go with Seattle Seahawks at the Miami Dolphins. Russell Wilson is out of his mind right now. Both of his wide receivers are incredible. Chris Carson's a top 10 running back. You fire everybody up in Seattle anyway. However, Chris Carson is injured. So now we're looking to race to the waiver wire to pick up Carlos Hyde, right? And if we do, we're starting him automatically, right? I just want to make sure that we're not overlooking this like we do Naheem Hines or Benny Snell or somebody else. I mean, this this seems like an easy plug and play, correct? Yeah, so listen, and this is the thing. And we just talked about this. With Hines, it was a game flow thing. They, the Colts have been blowing out the last two opponents, so Hines wasn't needed. He actually did pretty good last week and a point for uh, PPR. Benny Snell, it was, it was Connor was healthy. So I think when it comes to Carlos Hyde, Listen, this is the best run game matchup of the week. The Miami Dolphins' run defense is bad, but they're also a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Miami. So Carlos Hyde is going to get his. If Carson's out, I like Carlos Hyde as it starts uh, this week. I think the biggest thing when you're evaluating this game, we don't need to go into Russell. We don't know the net cap and those guys. I get all that. But let's talk about the injuries to Seattle. So Jamal Adams was one of the guys that we talked about in our first podcast about why Hayden Hurst had a slow game. Well, Jamal Adams could be out for this week. He did leave the game early last week. So that could be notable for Mike Jaziki. So I think that's something you have to watch. If Adams plays, Jaziki's off the radar. And if he doesn't, if he is, if he's out, then I'm definitely interested in playing Mike Jaziki because, like I just talked about, they're six-and-a-half-point underdogs. So there's going to be volume in this game. And my start of the week at wide receiver is Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker is going to smash. Nobody allows more points to wide receivers than the Seattle Seahawks. They are just terrible at corner. They can't cover anybody. And then I think that Devon, uh, Parker and Preston Williams is going to have a very nice game in this matchup. So I'm excited to get – I have Parker in all my lineups this week for fantasy. I am – listen, I would say you should trade for him because then they get San Francisco, your guys, who are also very banged up in the secondary. So I think you can have a very nice stretch here. But I think you're definitely rolling him. And then Miles Gaskin, he's been a very refreshing player. I think that if he's still on your waiver wire, go get him. He had 22 carries to six for the rest of those guys. He's definitely the clear starter, but I love the fact that he's the passing game back. So when they're down big, which they usually are because their defense isn't doing well, they have he's he's involved. So I really like Gaskins. And plus, he was getting carries inside the 10 last week. So that's interesting. He's getting red zone work. So I think Gaskins is also a play because of the game flow that we're projecting in this matchup. If you have a number one waiver claim or a top waiver claim, are you putting it on Carlos Hyde or Gaskins first? Oh, Gaskins, hundred percent, season long. I think if you're, it's. I think it's a low. I think the question is, is you need a season long play. It's Gaskins. If you need a week start, no, I'm still going Gaskins. I'm going Gaskins. Yeah. Got it. I am uh, probably leaning myself. I'm leaning toward Carlos Hyde just because I know what this offense can do. However, I think you know, and just watching that game on Thursday night. Gaskins did get a lot of work, but he didn't seem to me just the eye test. I know he got all the touches, and that's what we chase in fantasy. I'm, I'm totally in support of picking him up and potentially playing him in what should be a shootout at home in Miami. But um, he didn't have the like, wow, I'm excited to have this guy on my team factor. Carlos Hyde, we know who he is, right? He's a plotter. He's basically Chris Carson. He has good hands, though. Chris Carson hasn't gotten a ton of work, but he is scoring. 
the running back for Seattle scores touchdowns. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm, I know how bad Seattle is, but I can't convince myself that Miami's going to score three touchdowns unless Fitzmagic can be Fitzmagic. You know what I mean? So you're right. If it's a weekly thing and you, you're, you're out a ton of running backs, you just need to grab somebody. Carlos Hyde is definitely the guy. If it is like a three, four, five week plan because you're out a couple running backs long term, then Gaskins is probably the better option. But uh, I lean a little bit toward uh, Carlos Hyde this week. I will say this, though. The, the thing about the Jags run defense has been very good. They shut down Derrick Henry for 25 carries for 84 yards. And then last week against Miami, Gaskins, if Derrick Henry's not getting dominating, you don't think Gaskins will. I think this game is a better suited matchup for him on the ground than Jacksonville, which is a very big surprise. But I think that is notable as well. I like it. I, my concern, I guess, is just that uh, Russell's Russell, and they're yeah. going to have four oh, yeah. touch. They're going to have four touchdowns in the first half. Miami can't compete with that. And you know, I mean, we, we've we've seen. Jordan Howard has like five carries on the year for like negative three yards or whatever the hell it is and four touchdowns. Yeah. So if they're close, if they're close, close, Fitz, you know, Fitzpatrick ran one in last week as well. Right. I mean, they have multiple players ahead of Miles Gaskin to get it done. And if, you know, 22 touches, I mean, look, we're, we're chasing that. And that's definitely nice. Uh, but I'm a little bit concerned overall, just because I think they get boat raced and then, you know, who's it going to be after that? So that's my only concern, but I'm not saying not to have him on your team, but I am more interested in Carlos Hyde this particular week. If you had to, to roll just one week. All right, man, two more games here. Let's go with the LA chargers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers chargers one and two Buccaneers two and one Mike Evans, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Justin Herbert still getting the run. Eckler looks great. Kelly looks good. Keenan Allen, 19 targets, a lot of work here. Chris Godwin probably out this game. Yeah. So this is, the, I think, the biggest thing with Godwin. It's kind of a perfect storm situation because Chris Harris, uh, you know, I tweeted this yesterday that he's out as well. That completely changes the way this L.A. Charger defense is going to cover people now because they're not going to have two elite corners. So they'll probably use Casey Hayward back to being a shadow corner. So that means Casey Hayward's going to be on Mike Evans in this game. I think Scotty Miller is a great wide receiver three play this week. He's the primary slot guy. And now that you take Chris Harris out, that completely leaves them to a, a vulnerability for this Chargers defense. So I think that's kind of my play. How you beat so, like, this is another thing, too, with the Chargers. I understand the Bucks defense has been awesome. I think the Bucks defense is one of my favorite fantasy plays this week from a defense perspective. But the Chargers are a, a seven-point uh, seven uh, dog in this game. So that's a pretty big spread. I think that when you're looking at that, you, you realize there's going to be probably garbage time. You're probably going to get Keenan Allen's going to rack up receptions. Austin Eckler's going to rack up receptions. And Hunter Henry's going to rack up uh, receptions. So, where you beat the Buccaneers is actually with the tight end. So I think Hunter Henry has a really nice game in this one. I think Keenan Allen's a play because Mike Williams got hurt. He hurt his hamstring. So I've always been a, bit, a big advocate of when you see a main target go out, the other targets get a, a little bump. So Keenan Allen's probably in your lineups because of the game flow, because there's no Mike Williams. And then obviously Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler, we don't really have to talk about. Now, Joshua Kelly's the one I, I will say this. He is the definition of game flow dependency. Like, if you know that the Chargers are going to be up or possibly in a competitive football game, you want to get Joshua Kelly. He's going to get a bunch of carries. But when there are seven-point seven uh, dogs in this game, I do not want Joshua Kelly in my lineup. You kind of saw his floor last week. I think you got to play the game with Joshua Kelly. If you think the Chargers are going to be competitive or if you think they're going to win the game, you could probably roll with Joshua Kelly. This one, I'm not. So I'm out on him there. And from the, the Buccaneers side, <clears throat> we just touched on Mike Evans. 
Mike Evans has never been elite against shadow coverage. And Casey Hayward's one of the best shadow corners in football. So I'm, I'm leaning towards you're probably going to start Evans as a wide receiver three. Of course, fade him in DFS. But I think he's a wide receiver three this week because of the matchup. And I do like the tight ends in this game. So the problem is, which one is it going to be? Rob Gronkowski was a blocker. And then last week, all of a sudden, he started running a bunch of routes and got some targets. So I think from that perspective, it's going to be tough to tell you which one. I think Rob Gronkowski is going to build off that performance last week. I think this was all kind of this playing this game. And with Godwin out, and also remember Watson, Justin Watson's hurt. So two of their top four wide receivers are going to be out, which means they'll probably run the tight ends a lot more. So I think Rob Gronkowski could be a sleeper this week. How do you feel about Scotty Miller? Yeah, Scotty Miller, absolutely. I think he's a big one, but also the running back. So I, I didn't touch on Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones out-touched Leonard Fournette. You're waiting for that shoe to drop, right? You're looking for that moment when Ronald Jones finally gives up the starting job to Leonard Fournette. And I think this week they have a positive matchup. So it's tough to – you want to start Ronald Jones because the matchup's good. They're a seven-point favorite. But those games you could see Leonard Fournette closing the game out. So I, I'm probably going to roll the dice as a flex play Ronald Jones. But just be aware there that that situation worries me a little bit. I totally agree. Let's get into our last game here, man. This is going to be the Baltimore Ravens who got straight up beat up on Monday Night Football from the Chiefs. I mean, everybody does, but you you know, figured the Ravens would put up a fight. They straight up got outplayed. And then the Washington football team, one and two, no surprises there necessarily. I expect Baltimore to bounce back significantly here. This is basically a home game for Baltimore as well, both these right. teams in Maryland. Uh, it's... It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back in general. I think what makes the Ravens the Ravens outside of playing the Chiefs, and an interesting stat uh, is that Lamar Jackson in his career so far is 21-1 and against all other opponents, but he's 0-3 against the Chiefs, right? And he actually came out and was like, look, they're, right now they're our kryptonite. You know, that's, that's the one we can't get through. Well, obviously that has to change for them to get to the Super Bowl and the ultimate goal there. But – I think what makes the Ravens the Ravens is that they have the mental fortitude to ditch that game, learn from it, watch the film, and then come back and go extra hard next week. And uh, I like that defensive line for Washington, but Chase Young unfortunately left the game last week with a groin injury. That's obviously an issue. And I just don't think any bit of this Washington offense can hang. You know, Terry McLaurin's Terry McLaurin. He'll get his. The rest of this team I think is going to be absolutely dominated by this Ravens defense. And I do think – this one's ugly quick, and I do think the Ravens are able to control it. And, of course, on the Ravens' side, you throw this one out, and I think you start your studs. Yeah, yeah. so listen, this is one of those games that I've been telling you about with the spreads. It's a plus 13 for the Redskins. You know, this is a product of you better get it done early type game. Like, if you don't score the like – Marquise Hollywood-Brown, Mark Andrews, you're starting those guys. I completely understand why you're going to do that. But this could be like a first-half game for them, and then they just shut it, put it on cruise control. This is the type of stuff that you have to watch out for. So, obviously, you're going to play those guys. I think you fade them a little bit in DFS. I don't expect this to be a shootout in any way, shape, or form. I think they handle their own in this matchup, very similar to what they did a couple weeks ago before the Chiefs game. Now, obviously, with when you're looking at the Ravens, it's the run game now. It's really bothering. I think Mark, Mark Ingram looks – good but he's getting like six seven carries and it's just not enough but I think in plus 13 
in this game, you've got to roll with Mark Ingram. The uh, Chase Young, the stud young uh, defensive end, is hurt. Also, another defensive tackle got hurt for the Redskins last week, so they're down a couple guys on the line. I think Mark Ingram is good. These are the games you have to watch. When you know that, like, the Kansas City Chiefs or if the, the Ravens, are, for whatever reason, are underdogs, you're not going to play Mark Ingram in those matchups. So I think this is a matchup where Mark Ingram gets his. He gets some a run on the ground. I think Gus Edward closes the game out in the fourth quarter, unfortunately but you're rolling with your studs, Andrews, uh, Brown, and also Lamar. But on the other side, for the Redskins, it's a game flow thing. This is what I've been talking about. Like, you know, obviously the matchup isn't great, but you're going to play Terry McLaurin because he's going to get a boatload of work in the fourth quarter. We saw it two weeks ago. The Redskins were down three scores against the uh, Cardinals, and then Terry McLaurin rips off 60 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter when it doesn't matter. But for fantasy, it matters. And the Ravens, ironically, are one of the worst defenses against tight ends. And Logan Thomas is still running routes. He had four catches last week, seven targets. He 31 yards, nothing big, but this is the type of game where they're going to, he's going to get another seven, eight targets. It could be in garbage time. I like Logan Thomas. I'm going back to the well on my guy. I think he can play. The other guy that is notable in this is Dontrell Inman. Dontrell Inman kind of leapfrogged uh, Steven Sims, and he's now the number two on this team, and he did score two touchdowns last week. So uh, it's obviously a very deep league 16 teamer, but it is notable that Inman did make that leap. He did get five targets. He did get the touchdown. So I think that is something that is notable, especially in this time of the game when they're this big of underdogs. I think you might be able to get away with a deeper league, John Trillin. How do you feel about J.K. Dobbins? He's got 15, care, 15 touches, I should say, on the year. He's got two touchdowns. He's got about 150 yards. Obviously, yeah. he's not really getting the work either. Seven attempts, two attempts, one attempt last week. He's got four receptions last week. He's caught all of his targets, which is five for five. But, I mean, look at these yardage totals, dude. Two carries, 48 yards. Four catches, 38 yards. I mean, he's getting it done when he gets the ball. He's just – nobody talked about Gus Edwards preseason, and I'm in that mix. I didn't bring him up one time. The only thing I said was that Gus Edwards might get a couple carries until J.K. Dobbins gets a couple carries, and then they're going to get rid of him. Well, there was a scare during draft season on that last week uh, when everybody was drafting where J.K. Dobbins was fourth on the depth chart. And we're all kind of like, yeah, well, they obviously just didn't update it. But he's third, at least. And that's kind of a worry. I mean, you can't start him weekly. But I think a lot of people kind of expected the tide to turn a little bit faster in Baltimore. And it was like, yeah, Mark Ingram's old. He'll fade eventually. J.K. Dobbins is the truth, whatever. Well, that is the case. But Gus Edwards is in the mix as well. Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram. You just broke him down. Are you looking to trade for, trade away, pick up Gus Edwards and or J.K. Dobbins? No. I mean, listen, Dobbins, it's it's a mudded backfield in an offense that, you know, through the three first three games, Dobbins has five targets. Like, he doesn't – he's not killing it from a target. Like, running quarterbacks don't throw to their running backs that much. The biggest worry for Mark Ingram this was he was so touchdown dependent, but the rushing attack was so dominant last year. Now it's just kind of more muddy with Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And Gus Edwards is the closer. So you're not going to get those fourth quarter, you know, that eight, like you're seeing with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's been dominating in these games in the fourth quarter. You're not going to see that with Dobbins because that's Gus Edwards' role. Now, I think the one person we completely overlooked was uh, Antonio Gibson. So <laughs> Antonio Gibson's awesome. 
I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's still a buy long term. I think this is your buy low window again. I think Baltimore is going to have their way. They're not going to be running the football a lot. And then J.D. McKissick got more routes last week. So it could be another McKissick game where he gets a bunch of routes. I think after this week, you can go out and get Antonio Gibson because he has been he, – he's the talent. He's electrifying. I'm a little worried that Haskins is kind of – he has been so bad. I mean, Haskins is the – Worst in, in accuracy percentage. He's, he's only completed one of eight targets downfield. He only attempts a pass, like on 7.8% of his pass plays are 20 yards. He's not throwing it downfield. He's not challenging defenses. He's not accurate. So it's very disappointing. It's discouraging. Um, but game flows have always been keeping, like, Lauren healthy. But at the same time, you know, I think Antonio Gibson's a buy for me. I think he, after this week, I would have to look at the schedule. But I think after this week, you could probably go get him on the cheap because this is going to be another tough one for the for the ground game. I think that's a great call, and man, it would be it would be nice if we got some clarity in that backfield as long as as well as Detroit. Um, and again, I think we're all just yeah. waiting our turn on J.K. Dobbins. I think he, eventually he is the man. So if people are getting frustrated and he comes up on your trade block or whatever, dynasty leagues is not going to happen because people know that you're supposed to wait it out. But yeah. in redraft, people start getting frustrated this time of year. People are one and two, zero oh and three. They're needing to start making some moves here. Bye weeks are coming up. They're going to start, you know, throwing away some of these players that you can sit on if you're 2-1, and 3-0. Oh. Pick up a J.K. Dobbins. No, you're not going to play him for two or three more weeks potentially. But look, man, if, if uh, Ingram goes down or Gus Edwards goes down, we see the talent. The efficiency is absolutely incredible. He just needs to get the work there. Can All I right, man. Like a tidbit, like a fun fact? Uh, Please. There's something about Dobbins that I was kind of off at him. So Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers mm -hmm. back in the day. They drafted Carlos Hyde in the second round that year, and they still had Frank Gore. Well, they gave Frank Gore all the work, and they left Hyde on the bench. And I think that was kind of how I viewed it this year. I think that it was more like investing in the future to keep the ground game solid, to get Dobbins in their system so he's ready to hit the ground running next year. So I don't think, unless there's an injury to Mark Ingram, I just don't see the full volley pip on this. I think it's going to be Ingram's backfield. But the problem is Baltimore's never in competitive football games, it doesn't feel like. It just feels like they're blowing people out or they're losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. So <laughs> it's like, can they get it done in a half for Mark Ingram all the time? And it's, it's not a winning philosophy in fantasy. I, I agree. And uh, again, man, you're always dropping dimes here on the podcast, bringing the absolute fire super appreciate the Wally Pip reference. We don't have time to get into it, but shouts out to our baseball fans, Yankees with a big win uh, tonight. If you're a baseball fan, uh, we'll leave it at that. But I, I appreciate the Wally Pip reference there. Uh, shouts out to my boy, Lou Gehrig as well. All right, man, we got about five minutes left in the podcast. You know what time it is. We've gone through all the early slate. Tomorrow, we're going to get into the later slate with Dweez. So let's just run down real quick. I'm going to give you both teams. We need to get your pick them for this week. Bobby, last week overall, you were um, you were ten and six, um, and the week before that, you were ten and zero. So, uh, of course, we only did the early weeks, but we are going to start here in week three, and we're going to start regulating um, the rest of the season. So, you're ten and six so far. Let's see if we can uh, capitalize on that. Last week, I was nine and seven. Lucas ten and six as well, and Dweez was six and ten. So, all right, man. No analysis. Just give me a team. Arizona, Carolina. Arizona. Indianapolis, Chicago. Chicago. Jacksonville, Cincinnati. Oh, Jacksonville. Cleveland and Dallas. Dallas. New Orleans, Detroit. New Orleans. Minnesota, Houston. Houston. Seattle, Miami. <laughs> 
Seattle. Uh, L.A. Chargers and Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Pittsburgh. And finally, in the early slate at least, Baltimore and Washington. Baltimore. All right. My picks on the other side as well. I'm going to go Carolina over Arizona. I also have Chicago. I'm going to go with the Bungles at home. I think they get off the schneid. They've had three close games, have not got a win. I think Joe Burrow does it this week against Minshew. So I'm going to take the Bengals. I've got Dallas, New Orleans, Houston, Seattle, Tampa Bay as well. I'm actually going to go with Tennessee at home here. I think uh, they're just going to be too much, even against this incredible defense. Big Ben on the road makes me a little bit nervous. I think they contain Connor, whereas I'm not sure uh, – the, uh, the Steelers can do it overall, although no A.J. Brown, definitely going to hurt them. Baltimore, absolutely, as well. I think they run them pretty well. All right, Bobby, always a pleasure, man. Real nice to have you on. We'll do it again next week. Everybody, go check out Fantasy Football X Factor, and we'll bring in Dweez Nuts tomorrow. This is Episode 271, the early slate of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Game breakdown tomorrow. We'll do the later slate Friday. Tune in, of course. We'll bring in Chris Benavides of the Commission FFP, and we will be doing the TCK pod listener league recap and preview for weeks three and four. We'll catch you tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Get over that hump. Get into the second half of your uh, productive week, and we'll catch you tomorrow. For Bobby Lamarco, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.